Welcome to Brands Made Meaningful, conversations with the team at Susner about how purposeful branding inspires unity, identity, and powerful change for growth-minded organizations. Derek, thanks for having this conversation with me today. I am really interested in talking about being constructive. This came up from a client meeting, a prospective client meeting that actually happened last week with me that they, and excuse my salty language as I get into this, but they said, we look like shit. We hate our brand and we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> and to me, that was like, it was wow. honest. It, it was, was honest. It was, they were being truthful. Being they were vulnerable saying and honest and open. I, um, but it wasn't constructive. It wasn't helpful for me. It wasn't helpful for them. And it probably didn't make their team feel great about the work that they've put in. And so today's conversation I really want to be about is about how do we create a constructive branding process? And I want to get into like how we do it with our clients, how we do it internally here, but like how we've seen great brands we've worked with do it for themselves and say, here's how they build upon their own brand using this constructive rather than destructive process. As a person who went to school for graphic design, we were trained, well, they actually call it critique. So, you know, when you put your work up for review, you know, whether that's with your classmates to your, to your instructor or to your internal team or where we're putting in front of our clients, inherently the conversation that then happens is critique and critique is rooted in criticism, but that's not necessarily the most productive way to move things forward and get things done. And when you're self-analyzing, it's kind of like, I remember talking to my kids when they were playing sports and they would be really hard on themselves. And I have buddies that are like this in golf. And we talk about positive self-talk and basically flipping the script to become constructive, to look at the same mistakes, to look at the things that you're frustrated about, but to look at them through a different lens. It's like positive team talk. Mm-hmm. Um, PTT. Yeah, yeah. Our office, we call this constructive brand feedback. And we use this with um, our internal things, like I had mentioned. We also like to teach our clients a little bit about this as we go through the process. Like, let's say we're putting a new logo in front of them. They, We want them to provide us feedback. Their feedback is super, super important for this. But... It has to be constructive or else we can't build upon the work that has been done for them. So some of those things when um, I'm reminded of when we go through that new business process of discovering someone's brand, understanding what's working, what's not working, that's constructive to say what is working. Let's start about there. And then what's maybe not working or how can we improve those things to build upon what's already there? That's this 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 constructive mindset. Yep. It's all it's it's completely a mindset. It's flipping it from focusing on the problem towards focusing on the opportunity. It's a forward thinking way to approach it instead of of course, you know, we talk about what's not working. So we do look back and we do and we can and we'll we can be critical. That's okay. It's okay to be critical and talk about what's not working because that's what helps us understand where we can go. It's just making sure that somewhere along that way, we're pivoting and or helping the client shift that mindset if they are in a destructive mindset. (laughs) So why, why do we do this? And I get into 
our core belief of what a brand is, is this living, breathing, evolving asset for a company or an organization. It's something that we think needs to be built upon rather than torn down. Um, there's some people out there who, if I use the analogy of like a house, I know we love to use house construction analogies. It connects with a lot of people, but we use this analogy of wallpaper versus like building the house. So we don't view branding as just like taking down wallpaper to put new wallpaper up, making cosmetic changes, new carpet, a fresh coat of paint. And we would rather look at it in the sense of you have a house and there are probably amazing things about that house. How can we accentuate those things? How can we focus on those things? And then how can we also improve the things that we feel like just aren't the best? Like maybe you need a new deck or something like that. And it's like, okay, we can focus on those things. But if you just think about it of the, well, we need something new. Let's tear the whole house down and then let's re- just rebuild a new house it's really hard for you to build something meaningful and long, long-term long focused with that because you'll end up spending so much time tearing it down to build something new that you won't be able to take advantage of yeah. the opportunities. And without understanding what the objectives of building something new are, what, what are you actually trying to do? What's changed to where the brand or the house doing its purpose and achieving what it needed to do at that time that's no longer working now? Your family grew you moved out sure you know there's there's even even if you do have to tear it all the way down to the foundation usually the majority of that foundation can be salvaged and built back upon so if we put it back in the branding sense of like your brand's image your brand's message your brand's strategies that you put together those need to adapt over time and when we're not being constructive with the way that we do those pro like when we're talking about even brand building or brand development processes if those aren't constructive then we risk moving backwards over time versus building forwards and always making it better and i think what sparked when we were talking about today's conversation ahead of time part of what sparked this was just the natural was us stepping back and looking at the dialogue that happens in any branding initiative. The dialogue between us and a prospective client, the dialogue of that client internally with their team when we observe how they discuss this with each other, and even internally how we talk to each other from strategy to design, creative direction, process, etc. There's a lot of dialogue that's going on and communication all the time throughout all of this to help this project. And us kind of stepping back and going, what are the parts of this that would make all of this work better? And I think that's part of how I got to where we're we're talking about today. And focusing on the very, very first comment I had about how some people say these things, some leaders say these things without understanding how it affects their team. People put a lot of work into building that brand. Um, We have worked with brands that have teams of, you know, dozens of people that work on building it. And If you turn around and say, well, we're just no good at this or like we did this and it's just it sucks, then that that can put them at a place thinking like, "Okay, well, then obviously I'm not good at my job or obviously I haven't done enough here that that could be them. It also is probably your process. There's a little bit of like, how do you help them? How do you enable them to do great things is by building more of a constructive process? Yeah, I think. 
you know, we're not trying to get all soft and mushy and say, you know, when you have a point to make, don't make the point, beat around, soften it up, make it more palatable. Um, you know, that's a leadership training conversation. However, if a brand has a is a living thing and the human beings that are working on your brand are working on it and they're living things, there are ways to go about kind of the behind the scenes pieces of this that kind of rally everybody and get everybody excited about working on this and not so focused on. Yeah. What you said is really interesting to say like, well, does that mean I have to walk around really soft like eggshells on everything? No, not at all. Actually, I think it's the opposite. It's the if you think you have to do that, then that means that your feedback currently probably isn't constructive. Being constructive is being actionable versus being passive and being destructive means I don't like that, period. Okay, well, what do we do with that information? I can't I can't move you forward unless you give me something like that. So let's get down red flags here. So like, what are some of the symptoms? If the problem is that you don't have a constructive process within your brand building or brand development, what are some things that really show us those symptoms to say, wow, that's happening to me. Maybe my process isn't as constructive as it could be. I think one of the things we observe is in that scenario, there's oftentimes a lack of motivation to try something new. There's a lack of me wanting to be brave enough to do some sort of something that's innovative, fresh, or new because I'm maybe afraid of you know the feedback that I'm going to get or, or how somebody may or may not be open to it. And it might just be easy for me to just, well, stay with what we have which maybe isn't great, but it's better than putting myself out yeah. there and getting torn down. For sure. I mean, you're lacking the freedom to make mistakes. And if you don't feel like you can make a mistake, then that's a problem because some of the greatest things happen when you feel like you can maybe do anything and it might work and it might not, but you're not afraid of that. Well, and then the creative team can often feel like they're throwing darts or spinning their wheels or whatever that creative metaphor is because they don't Every, when, when somebody puts something in front of you, the worst feedback, I'm jumping right to the end. The worst <laughs> feedback you can give somebody is I don't like that. Yep. That is a 100% subjective, non-constructive comment. Skip to the why or why it's not working or why it doesn't meet objectives. So if I show you something and you say, I don't like that, but I don't know why, then I'm going right to spinning my wheels and the throwing darts analogy. Yeah. I, if you, the symptom for this, the best symptoms for this is if you're on round eight, round 10, um, round a dozen rounds of revision, um, whether that's internal or with a client or something like that, that means that the, the feedback isn't being constructive because you guys are just throwing darts. You guys are not understanding what's the problem, but maybe the person giving you feedback probably isn't understanding the problem either. And that could be a problem itself. Next one, misaligning with brand values. So we get this comment a lot. They say, we've remade ourselves so many times that we don't know who we are anymore. That's a problem. Um, that means you have misalignment with brand values. That probably means that you are tearing things down too often rather than building upon them over time. Yep. And, or there's a, there's something that's getting in the way of those values that you have identified and established and you're not acting on them and actionable ways that are living them. You're not living your brand. Yeah. Or you don't even know what that means. Right. 
The next one is flexibility. We have people who come to us and say, we don't resonate with our target audience anymore, or maybe we don't even resonate with our employees anymore. And that's probably because of a lack of flexibility. You're not being able to adapt to the changes that are needed. And that's most likely because you're not, your, your process doesn't allow you to build upon something and then shift when needed. It just builds upon what you currently know and that's all you can do. Yeah, and it could be, on one hand, it could not be changing to what we see or what you see as what your customer preferences are with respect to your brand and your services. It could also be overreacting to their preferences and getting into that state where you're doing things based on somebody else's preference versus based on a strategic purpose that you've identified. Another symptom of not having a constructive brand process is missed opportunities. We have clients come to us that say our initiatives just don't get off the ground like they should. Um, this goes back to spinning wheels. This goes back to a lot of things, but it also goes back to them not understanding or having the confidence to say, this is what we're doing and here's why. That can be a challenge for a lot of internal teams um, to feel like we're doing this, we're doing it right, and I, I feel empowered to get it done. Yep, I, th I think that's spot on. I think that happens in mo more of the conversations that we have with prospective customers than than I would have thought. Uh, would have lost that bet. Um, that's a pretty yeah. prevalent one that happens, which is also prevalent in the next one, which is just nothing's changed around here. In the next, in the last 10, 12, 15 years, everything feels the same and not in a good way. It feels stagnant. Yeah. Stale maybe is a good way of thinking about it. Sleepy. Um, this is when people say, I need to refresh my brand. They're most likely thinking about it like this. And it's probably because year after year, month after month, you're not building upon your brand. So it feels stale because it's just, it was built once. It was left alone for 10, 15 years, and then it needs to get rebuilt again. And that's not a good process to have in the modern day of like what a brand needs to be, what it needs to grow like, all those type of things. And that's why I just want to reiterate, that's why this is about, this isn't about necessarily the communication channels within an organization. This is about a mindset. If there was one thing that we would love somebody to take away from today, it's not but maybe you do need to reconsider your processes and the steps and how who's communicating with who in what way. But I think more than anything, it's just flipping that mindset to, yeah, to be or, thinking about this in just a little bit of a different approach. Or or sharing that mindset with someone on your team. I, there's probably someone listening to this, thinking about someone on their team going, God, you know, if he just had this mindset, that would make a big difference in getting some of these things done that we would want to get them done. And that's okay to say that some people need to be shared. Some people need to be trained into this. This is not a natural thing for people. The gut reaction for a lot of people is I don't like it, period. And that's okay, but that's not helpful. So that's what we're trying to get at here. Well, and if we shift into some ways that can help people who feel like they're running into this, that would be the, the first one that I would start off with is the emotional one. If you sh As you shift to this mindset, one of the most helpful things I found is to just take a minute and to see things through each other's point of view. So when that person's feedback says, well, I don't like it, 
Maybe there's a reason why they're reacting that way. Maybe they just don't know that that's not a helpful feedback to you. And for the person that says, I don't like that, and then you see the frustration come out of the colleague that you're talking to or the creative partner that you're talking to, understand that when you say that, you're not giving them any action or helpful insight in any way. So to see see this communication channel or this mindset through each other's point of view, I think is a great first step. Yeah. There's clear trigger points too. When someone's super frustrated, especially within a creative process, it's most likely communication. That's probably the problem. There could be just a difference of like what they view as the objective and we'll get into that. But what I want to do is I asked our office, I walked around to talk to people and thought about like, what are the best ways we can solve this problem for other people? If we were going to go into someone's office and then say, how can you create a constructive creative process for your team? What would we do? And they're kind of in steps, but there's 10 of them that kind of came out of this is like 10 things you could start thinking about. And I'll run through them really quick, but just don't let me get too far down that road. The first one was assess the current practices. There's a lot of people who want to change something without understanding how they're doing it today. It might be easy for you to look at the way that you do your workflows the way that you have your processes currently and then look at it and be like, oh, well, right here is the problem because we're not talking about it at this point or something like that. You'd be surprised how you can find something if you just take a step back for a second and look at the way you do things. Yeah. One of the core tenets of any organizational operating system like EOS, for example, is process. If you don't have clear and defined and repeatable processes that is going to be a problem for your workflow. The second one is establish clear objectives. So before you go too far in a project, make sure you understand the goals for the project and also include what you're wanting to get out of it from a brand perspective, short-term and long-term. I, we want to do this. Here's the way it's going to impact us in the short term. Here's the way it's going to impact us in the long term. Understanding those things can at least put you a little bit at ease to say we're doing this and we might not see results in six months and that's okay. This seems like such a rudimentary I know. <laughs> thing that you have to tell somebody to start with a plan. Well, why are you doing this? But I think we tend to take it for granted. And some of those whys may be personal. It might be a personal reason why we're working through this initiative. But to just understand that, I think the question that we like to ask is, what does success look like when we get on the other side of this? And I think that can bring some clarity. Yeah, and it can get everybody on the team to understand what the goal is instead of getting 35% of the way through and then people are like, whoa, 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 I thought we were trying to get this done. And someone else was like, no, that's not it at all. That can be limited by doing it all at the front end. Um, gets everyone on the same page. Three, cultivate a feedback culture. So our goal would be for anyone to come into a process and feel comfortable enough to say, hey, you know what? I thought that this didn't work because of this. Or maybe I was thinking about this and I think this other idea would be great. If we don't have a feedback culture within our office, within our team, within our client relationships, it's going to make it really hard for people to share their thoughts, share their ideas without feeling like they're risking anything. We've had client relationships before where it feels like their team, there are people on the other team that we're kind of presenting something to that hold back because they don't want to be you know, risking their current status of their job and being like, well, I don't want to sound stupid. This is a big one. Um, 
it's it's hard to glaze over this in a couple of seconds because this is people. Um, if processes is one of the core tenants, people is the other one. And if you're and you the goal within your people is to develop a culture of trust where you trust each other, where you feel safe. And if you haven't brought and built your team on a like-minded set of values, it's going to be very challenging for you to develop a scenario where people feel safe enough, which is where they will do their best work. If you have ever heard the saying, no bad ideas, that's exactly how I think of this. If you can come into a table, into a room and then say, here's the project that we're doing, blank, blank, blank. And it's a no bad ideas atmosphere where someone's throwing out something. And it's like, well, maybe that would work. We would have to figure this out or maybe something else. It's not like, how about this? And someone goes, no, that's stupid. And then they just keep moving forward. That's a huge difference. And it's going to be kind of this competitive asset for teams, especially in a creative space, to be able to do that. There's a great book by Patrick uh, Lincioni. I think it's called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. It could be one of his other books. They're all fantastic. But that would be a great read for somebody who's running into these challenges inside their inside their walls to figure out some some helpful ways to to get back to that because there can be tension but there can be healthy tension and there can be discourse and what might look like even an argument from an outsider's perspective but when those two people who are arguing are arguing for the right reasons um, because they're both trying to advance this and they're doing it with respect for each other. Yeah, like, that's why I say like being constructive doesn't mean stepping on it or like, you know, eggshell walk it's not across all everybody. Butterflies and rainbows <laughs> either. It, yeah. Could so. be if you do it right. Um, the next one is provide brand training. Um, not Maybe not brand training, but providing feedback training is really big. When someone especially who maybe is new on your team or anything like that is like, Hey, by the way, we do these projects like this. Here's how we would like you to provide us feedback. If this is how we do it, we do it this with clients a lot. This is a great way to introduce people into an atmosphere. If we're to, if the last point was to build an atmosphere of no bad ideas, you might need to train certain people to go into that atmosphere and maintain it. Yeah. A great, tool for this is just the the cadence the three-part cadence of in that conversation to say hey what's working what's not working as well as it should be and what are we going to do next going from here sure i always like to start with positives we tell our clients to do that too like hey we're going to show you something start with what you like yep because when you start with something that you like it gets you into the mindset of like, well, I like this, I like this, I like this, I like this. I actually don't like this small thing, but I was going to lead with that and it made it feel like I didn't like any of it. Yep. Okay, next one is implement constructive analysis mechanisms, which is just a mouthful. It's a lot of syllables. Um, what I mean by this is create stages within your process to make sure that you are being constructive. Something that we do as an example is we do a mini SWOT analysis for some of these projects to go, what are we really good at here? What are we not doing very well? What are the opportunities out there that we could potentially take this in? And what do we need to make sure we're watching out for? That can be a huge benefit to you guys. And it can also be a huge benefit to the people that you're providing feedback to. So say you're working with another team within your organization, and you say, hey, this is awesome. Thanks for this. Here are the things I think it's doing really well. Here's what I don't think it's doing as well. But here's the opportunity I'm seeing here. By the way, we need to get this done by this time. And we only have this many resources left. 
those are, I mean, that's super simple. It sounds like you said rudimentary. It yeah. sounds like, well, obviously I should say those things to people. But when you're in the heat in the moment, you don't think about that. You think about, okay, I just don't like this. Change this. Let's keep going. Right. We do this inherently. I don't even know that we are aware or yeah. that the team is aware that we do this. But if we're reviewing, again, the logo example, and it's an in-process creative that we're getting ready to present to a client every round that we review internally a, a mini SWAT is exactly what we do. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. That's and what I'm saying. It and sounds... my favorite's the O. It's the opportunity set. It's the it's opportunity. The but notice how just to your previous point, you start with what's working. Yeah. You start, start with, with the, the strengths, strength. then you go to the weaknesses, then you basically finish on what's the opportunity and now what's getting in the way of us yeah. closing this. Some smarter psychology person would be able to tell me exactly why that works like that. But yeah, it's it's. Small but powerful we'll thing get, to do. We'll get Dr. April on here uh, to talk about this. <laughs> yeah. Um, the next one, which is six, by the way, if anyone's counting, um, is document feedback. So when we do, like I said earlier, if there's 10 rounds of revisions on some project that you might be working on, whether it's in-house or with an agency, document the feedback. See what you got from one to two to three to four to five. And if the feedback is completely different every time, that is everywhere, that means it's not constructive. That means it's just like, here's what I'm feeling today. That can be harmful to getting a project over the finish line and can be really harmful to someone's confidence in the project in general. Yeah, this just goes back to not having objectives. If you if you have criteria and clear objectives, it's like when we're presenting work, our example is we don't say, to this fictitious logo we keep talking about today. <laughs> we don't ask the client when we put that in front of them, do you like it? Because they're already going to like it or not. That's just inherent in the way that human beings are. But the question is more around, does this meet the criteria and live up to the objectives that we established? We'll talk about the subjective stuff, but does this meet these objectives? And that yeah. is a super helpful guideline, especially when that feedback from round to round to round contradicts it is contradictory in yeah. some cases. It's important that people like things. I don't want to kind of glaze over we that. We want them to tattoo that logo on themselves. <laughs> I I think it's it's very important that you like it, but that is number 2 on the list of importance. One is are we solving the problem at hand? Two is do you like it? Well, I think I think number 2 is three. number 2 is do our customers yeah, like it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Either way. Seven, iterate and improve your process. I think there's a lot of people who set a process and go, here's our process. There's nothing we can do about it. We here have a five-step process, a high-level five-step process for developing a brand. How many times has that process changed in the last three years? Within each step, it's been refined lots of times. Probably every month. But the, <laughs> but, but the five primary steps, I'm looking at the boards on our wall that have yeah. some examples of these, those five steps haven't changed in quite, not since we did the work of establishing what they were, but the steps and the subsets, we refine yeah. them as we learn to get yeah. better all the time. Yeah, so it's important. What I'm getting at is it's important for you to iterate and improve that process. But as you said, we establish the process. We'll build upon it. We'll change it. We'll make it better. We'll do all these other things. But what we're not doing is tearing it down every couple months to put a new process out there and be like, we're going to develop a new process for doing this. And I know process was our number one. We're on number seven. But as a part of that, you have to have a process. I don't care if it's three steps, one step, or 10 steps. You have to have one so that 
you can do what you do in some sort of repeatable, predictable. We know most of the time when we get to the third or the fourth step in that process, when something's not working or when we run into a wall of yeah. some sort, yeah. it's because something that preceded it in those prior process steps was either missed, overlooked, or wasn't completed. Hmm. Can you have a one-step process? Is that a thing? <laughs> <laughs> sorry sorry i don't want to um, try to bring it back to a baseball analogy <laughs> like pre-game routine and uh, probably not a one step but. um eight celebrate your successes this is like you said rudimentary um our team loves when we accomplish something but we celebrate the accomplishment in a certain way if we can sit back and go we did it here's what went really well and this is how we're going to celebrate about it is an awesome thing to do. It here's gets what, people excited about moving across the finish line. Here's what went well. And let's do more of that. Uh, let's learn just like we're learning from our mistakes. Let's learn from the wins. And so that we can do more of that next time. High performers, I think, have a problem stopping and celebrating. And so when we sure. say celebrate, we don't necessarily mean throw a big party or have a happy hour. Celebrating could be no. a, just a small moment, but it is, it's really great for the psyche, for the team, for the culture. It's one of probably the three most important components of culture is how we celebrate together. You don't like high fives, but this is like a high five type of level of celebration in my mind. Fist bump. Yeah. The the thing I would say as the best example for this is we do this podcast and I think when we go back to listen to like the first couple, we're like, wow, that is rough. That is, you know, that needs to be figured out. But we're at, what is this, 43 right now? That's part of the process. And to get to when we hit 25, we were like, boom, look at that, 25, done. When we hit 50, it's like, boom, we hit 50. When we hit 100, it'll be like, this is great. Those are the little successes to say we're building upon something rather than being like, this isn't very good. We need to completely restart. Yep. Nine, seek external input. And when I say external, I mean just someone outside of your team. Bring someone in, whether they're just another person at your company that just isn't a part of a certain process. Say, hey, can you just come listen to this for a second? Or can I get your opinion about the way we're talking about this? Or just get someone else's opinion. Sometimes when you get a bunch of passionate people in a room, they all are very, very invested in what's going on. They get blinded by the passion that they have. That they can't just see like, hey, by the way, this that we're doing right now solves the problem. It does it really well and we're going to move forward with it. Someone externally can really help you do that. I can't count how many times we've observed or been part of conversations where two people are arguing is too strong of a word, but disagreeing or, yeah. or having a, like some discourse over the right way to do something where they're actually saying the same thing. <laughs> but there's a language barrier, not a, not a communication barrier. There's a communication barrier. They're, they're saying words that somebody else is just interpreting. They're getting hung up on a word because that word means something different to them. But in the end, it's, and so for us to, to say, well, hang on, here's what, here's what I'm hearing. I'm going to distill what I'm hearing each of you saying into one statement. And it's interesting how often an uninvested party can provide that clarity. Yeah, for sure. Last one measure progress 
sounds super easy. Everyone talks about like, you need to measure these things and find your KPIs and do, 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 do. But I think measuring your progress, just like we're talking about within our process to say we have five process steps. The process that was three years ago is not the same process it is today. It's been improved by this, 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 and that. If you measure that progress and kind of look back for a second, you'll feel like, okay, we are building something. That's great. That it, that, that gives you more happiness than you'd think it does. Fulfillment, um, achievement. You're, you spend less time reinventing, which I know is hard for the inventor mindset people in the room, but you spent, I even think about like uh, colleagues of ours who have installed like the lean processes within their manufacturing facilities and just the relief that they've realized in the efficiency that's come out of it. It's allowed them to focus on doing more of what they do better and less of the steps along the way that are causing the the problems. I think that if anything you could take away from this is that your brand, the team that you assign to building that brand is working with an evolving asset. That thing is never going to be the exact same as it is right now. And that is good. That is exactly what it needs to be. And it needs to be built upon rather than completely reimagined. So it's not a set it and forget it, come back in 10 years and then reset it and then forget it again. It's a, how do we constantly be building upon this over time? That can only happen if you have a constructive process. If your process is about taking what is good, leaving it be good, and improving upon the things that could be improved upon, that's where you'll find success. In the industry that we work in, in in this branding and identity space, people use the term rebrand. So when a company comes to us, they've been around this company that came came to us the other day that said, my brand looks like shit. I hate my brand. They have a brand and whether they realize it or not, or maybe they were just kind of overreacting in their own being critical of themselves. Sure. There is equity inside that there, there, there is absolutely value and equity that's existing. So I don't, I actually don't like the term rebrand rebrand to me is like throwing everything away and starting all over. It's an evolution and an evolution maybe has spikes where you really focus on it every few years, but along the way, because it is growing and living and it's not a stagnant, it's not just a wall and studs and yeah. sheetrock. It's it's a brand evolution and your brand should be evolving continuously and forever to help it make your business successful. It's like having a diet, right? Or having a workout plan. If I change my diet from paleo to keto to this to that to gluten-free to this, like if I switch every month, I will never see progress, but if I stick with something and I work at it and I grow it and I do something about it for a long time, you'll see the impacts in what you're supposed to see. It's like being in the brand gym. Yeah. If you work out once a month, you're going to be sore, upset, frustrated. But if you work out twice a week, three times a week, whatever, and you're consistent at it, even at a, even at a lower level, you, you can maintain that health and Keep it, keep it evolving. I hate that analogy because it reminds me that I need to go work out. And I'm sore because I just worked out for the first time oh, in a while. Oh, good for you. All right. Well, thanks for the conversation. Until next time. Next time. Bye. Susner is a branding firm specializing in helping companies make a meaningful mark. 
guiding marketing leaders working to make their brand communicate better, stand out, and engage audiences to grow their business. For more, visit susner.com. Thank you.